Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 320 of Her, the podcast where, well, you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her burn. What? Her burn? Yeah, calories. Uh-huh. See, you knew that all along now, didn't you? <laughs> we have a terrific show coming up. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to SmartyPantsVitamins.com. Now, here's your first reminder to click on the iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because I love your feedback. All right, it's time for her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about her. So I've been following the work of a uh, very amazing researcher down at Duke University, Dr. Herman Ponser, for quite some period of time. Absolutely stunning work. And uh, there it was in the New York Times, uh, my wonderful friend Gretchen Reynolds, who, as you know, has been on our show a million times, um, went ahead and profiled his new book. And the name of his book, well, you're going to love this, it's Burn. New research blows a lid off how we really burn calories, lose weight, and stay healthy. See, told you you're going to love this. All right, now, Dr. Ponzer is an associate professor of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University, an associate research professor of global health at the Duke Global Health Institute. He's an internationally recognized researcher in human energetics and evolution. And for almost two decades of research in the field and laboratory, he's conducted pathbreaking studies across a range of settings, including field work with the very famous Hadza hunter-gatherers in northern Tanzania. Just amazing work. Herman, welcome to the Herb Podcast. I'm so glad to be here. All right. Now, I'm reading this book. It's burning in my hands. Burning. <laughs> um, I'm going to kill this whole metaphor. But um, so it... it you said in the book, somewhere along the line, it took you, what, how many years to put this thing together? Oh, my gosh. If we're talking about the, the Hadza work, especially, which is kind of the core of the yes. whole thing. Yes, um, You know, I, I, my first job out of grad school, I was at Wash U in St. Louis trying to figure out, I'd, I'd been studying energy expenditure of walking and running, and I kind of wanted to, to put it into the larger picture of the, all the calories we burn over the course of a whole day, you know, total daily energy expenditure to really understand the whole metabolic picture for humans. Um, and of course, there's been lots of studies on that uh, human expenditures in you know in Western contexts. But I'm an anthropologist, you know, I want to know about uh, ecological contexts that are kind of more relevant to us as a species. And you know, for two million years we've been hunting and gathering. It's only really recently that we're doing all this weird stuff like driving around in cars and, and shopping at supermarkets. So. Um, so yeah, it took a few years. I think it took three years to get the grant funding to go measure energy expenditures in this hunting and gathering population, the Hadza, 
took another you know year to do the work and get the uh, get the results back and it's, it's a long convoluted story but it's it years is the short answer to get this done okay so you, you got my attention. As you know, I'm on the board of directors of the American College of Sports Medicine. I'm sure. a senior Olympic triathlete, sit on that board as well. Um, so we're all about energy expenditure. And um, I'm also a Pew Scholar in nutrition. So I kind of, you know, I'm ACDC here. I like looking at what goes in and what comes out. And as you're well aware, we've been tortured for years with misinformation. <laughs> And um, I remember, and I was laughing when I read the piece uh, in the phys ed section that Gretchen wrote about your work, where uh, I think it was back, oh my goodness, I can't tell you how long ago, my first marathon was uh, Marine Corps. And um, I remember saying to myself in a really kind of arrogant way, saying, oh, I could eat anything I want to now that I'm training for a marathon. <laughs> well, five pounds later, um, I said to myself, okay, this isn't working. Now, why is it if I can run 12 miles, you know, and, and you know, I thought I could crush it, just eat anything I want to. And you you know, I put on a few and I said, this is not, so I had to do my own little experiment. I didn't have your gorgeous research. And I said, I'm just going to have to rein it in and stop being so stupid about this. And I found out ironically, and I can still remember today um, when I ran Boston, how little I needed to be able to just sort of get through it. I, I'm serious. I did Boston on um, basically a bagel and a half with a whole bunch of peanut butter on top and a banana. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. It's like, what? Right. That's crazy, man. You know, how could they? But yet, if you sat down and it did some calcs, you know, you'd say to yourself, hmm, 2,300 calories, what she just cooked. But what, what, how does all this work? So, a number of my colleagues read, you know, this this uh, column immediately got with me and said, "Okay, now let me just get this straight. What? You mean you mean <laughs> we were we were built yeah. not to, you know, do this little equal in and equal out? So I need you right now for everyone out there cuz they're going to listen to this podcast and go, "All right. You know, I tell us right now what that bottom line is. Go for it." Bottom line is it is very hard to move the energy that you burn every day around very much with exercise. You just, your body just is built to fight you every step of the way. So what happens is if you're more physically active, right? So you're training to run that marathon. Yeah. At first you're going to burn more calories every day because of course the exercise takes, burns a lot of energy, but your body's going to adjust. Right. And so what we're learning is with work from the Hadza, but other populations too, even other species too, it all shows the same thing. The body adjusts so that if you spend more energy on activity, you spend less on other stuff. And, 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 you know, the thing is people focus so much, when you think about energy expenditure, you think about exercise, right? That's what you focus on. You focus on the run you went on or the walk, whatever it is that day that you're moving around. Your body spends energy on everything else, as you know, right? It, it, even if you're active, probably most of the energy that you spend every day is on everything else, not, not the exercise. It's on digestion and keeping your brain going and the immune system and everything else. And so um, what we're seeing is the more active you are, at first you might see a bump. If you change up, you know, change up your workout routine, you're going to see a bump in your energy expenditure. But then your, your body's going to adjust. And in, in, over the course of a couple months, you're going to be basically where you were when you started in terms of calorie expenditure. Um, you know, th th that was the big surprise from the Hadza work because they're incredibly physically active. 
And uh, yet, they're burning the same number of calories as you and me. Well, the, the typical American, I should say. I realize you, you get a lot more exercise than most of us do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> most of the you know, sedentary folks out there, you're burning the same number of calories as, as a hunter-gatherer, uh, just in a different way. And they just don't understand that. You see, intuitively, it makes no sense until I sat there for a moment after reading this and I said, okay, let me think about this for a second. If I was a cave woman, you know, hanging out God knows how long ago, right? And I wake up in the morning, I go, I'm hungry. You know, there's no 7-Eleven to score. Um, There's, you know, no fridge, you know, there's nothing. Now, maybe I have some nuts or something that's, you know, I was able to hold on to, but not a whole lot. So now my body basically uh, is coming out of fasting. I woke up uh, and I may still be in fasting um, uh, as I go out there and I begin to, you know, hopefully score some food. Um, So I'm going to go out there, forage, do my thing. Now, during this period of time, um, I have to have a very efficient body to be able to survive uh, the ability to uh, run, jump, um, climb, do all these things that I have to do to be able to, as it were, forage for food, whether it involves hunting or not. And, and during this period of time, if I'm expending a lot of calories, now correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to think this one through. Um, if, if I'm expending a lot of calories, my poor little body is, is going to say, now, wait a minute, hold on now. Uh, you can't be burning that much because you're going to make me crazy here because I got to keep you alive. What if it's seven hours, six hours before I'm able to score? And maybe it's like a really cool meal, whatever it is out there, but I still had to stay alive. And if I was in a, a significant caloric deficit, this is not all good for survival now does that make sense yeah yeah so i it does and so here's the way that i think we need to to kind of open our minds a little bit and i think you know this is why an evolutionary perspective helps here we need to think about what our bodies are built to do right and for billions of years of animal evolution uh you know your bodies have our, our bodies have been tuned um you know to be able to survive and reproduce that's evolution for you Right. And so, you know, your body, you'd expect that any organism, any animal, a human animal or any other kind of animal should take advantage of all the energy it has available to it. So it should burn all the energy that that it can expect to be able to get, but not anymore. Right. You want to use all the resources you have, but not go into deficit. And so, you know, you as you grow up and and, you know, you're a hunter gatherer out on the African savanna. Your body should be tuned to be using all the energy it has available every day, but not going over, right? So if you're spending those calories on activity, you should be spending less on other stuff. Okay, now move yourself into uh, you know a supermarket scenario right here in the in the West. Well, your body is still saying, let's use all that energy. Let's use it for everything. You know, let's not go over, but let's use the energy. And so you're spending that energy on things like inflammation. You're spending that energy on things like stress reactivity. You're spending that energy on uh, for example, higher reproductive hormones than we see in, in traditional populations. So your body's going to want to use the energy. You can dictate how it uses the energy. You can exercise more and spend more on activity, but you can't really change the, the, the total number of calories around because your body, right? Your body is not evolved to exercise per se. It's not evolved to look good in a bikini or whatever. It, it's, it's evolved to survive and reproduce. And so it's going to use those calories wisely even if that doesn't seem wise to us.
All right, let's put ourselves in the usual contemporary nightmare. Oh, excuse me. I mean, the way we live today. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> so here we are. You know, someone sits on their little behind. Uh, they're on Zoom all day. Um, right now, I just have to make it sort of pandemic-centric. Um, so they're on, on Zoom all day. Uh, and they're barely moving. Um, they're sitting mostly. And even if they were standing and sitting, I mean, seriously, there's not that many calories getting cooked. Um, and they're exhausted. And later on, they're kind of stressed out. So they're going to get involved in some stress eating throughout the day. So now we're piling on some of those calories. Um, at the same time, we did very little, uh, you know, uh, physical activity per se. I'm not even using the word exercise because that would be a, a dream. Um, and so uh, what kind of a mess is this where uh, we were eating a load and we're not even expending that much? Um, let's go to that place. Yeah, well, you know, that's exactly where a lot of us are. And, you know, the, the, the pandemic 15, <laughs> you know, you see people uh, worried about that. And Look, we live in a completely upside down world compared to how our species evolved. You can go to the supermarket and all the food that's available to you there is, you know, you can get thousands of calories on a, in a quick shopping trip. The food that's easiest to buy, that's the cheapest, is the food that packs the most calories per bite, right? So it's completely upside down compared to what, you know, natural foraging would be like. Uh, we have these really, we, we're all spending our, we spend 80%, 87% of your life indoors. That's the most recent number I've seen. Um, so you're not getting outside, not getting sunshine. You know, it's all these things compound and we try to fix it with an exercise regime. Well, you should exercise anyway. That'd be great. But you got to fix the food environment and you got to fix the fact that we've just surrounded ourselves with this weird, you know, calorie rich environment that just is just completely unnatural. Um, you add some of that, you know, you add some pandemic stress to that, you add some Zoom fatigue to that, and you're in real trouble. Okay, so, you know, here, here's the issue. <laughs> the issue is, is that um, you, you've got all this um, excess, mostly processed and ultra processed, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, food. Well, I can't even call it food. That would be too nice. Um, uh, science fair projects out there um, that people are consuming. Uh, and, and they say to themselves, well, hell, I'll just hit the gym. I'm just going to go to the gym. I'll work it off. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what do you say to them? Well, I say you should do, you should go to the gym anyhow. That'd be yep. great. Absolutely yep. go to the gym. Yep. Um, but Okay, now let's think back what, what we were just talking about. That exercise program, after your body adjusts, after you know, a couple of weeks of adjustment, you're not going to be burning more calories every, every week because you're exercising more. You're going to be burning those calories differently. Well, that's really good, right? That adjustment's good, spending less energy on inflammation. Less, that, that's fantastic stuff. That's some of the, reason, the really important reasons that exercise is going to make you feel so good. But now you're going to see that weight change stop. Right, you're going to find yourself in the very common scenario where, yeah, I was I got this new exercise program in the adjustment phase. I was losing some weight, and now here I am, not really different than I was before, and, and I'm and I'm at the same weight again, even though I'm exercising. And that's because you know maybe you haven't fixed the diet part, which is what you really need to focus on for weight. So, you know, look, you need a diet to you know you don't need a diet necessarily, but you need to think about your diet if you want to control your weight and you need to, you know, 
exercise for everything else. That's kind of how I like to think about it. And I think, you know, it gets to this issue of oh, how much do I have to run to, to earn my donut? You know, that's, that's, I, I hear that a lot. And it's just the wrong way to think about it, right? Diet and exercise aren't these things that just trade off one against the other. We aren't these simple machines. We aren't these simple engines. Uh, diet and exercise are two different, two different tools for two different jobs. Well, uh, what do you say to the folks who say calories in, calories out? Sure, you, that's great. If you can keep track of them, good luck. Um, whenever you, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely true. Calories in, calories out is absolutely where it is. But the thing is, right, here's the trick. First of all, let's talk about the calories in, okay? We know from lots of really big studies in different countries and different cultural contexts, this is not just any, you know, this, this is true across the world for humans. If I ask you to keep track of how many calories you're eating over the course of a week, couple weeks, and I measure that against how many calories I know you're eating, you're going to be off by about 30%, right? That's on average. Now, okay, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, I could do a better job. Okay, maybe you could. There's some variation. But on average, people miss almost a third of the calories they eat every day if you ask them to keep records. So the calories in part. That's absolutely yeah, correct. So, so yeah, calories in, good luck. Okay. Now calories out. Well, calories out, you could only, you know, you, you can, you can kind of get a handle on calories out if we were these simple engines where, okay, I add my basal metabolic rate. Okay. Well, what's that? Okay. But let, let, let's imagine you could imagine you, you could get a good basal metabolic rate and I add my exercise and I add my X, Y, Z and add it all up. Yeah. If it worked simply like that, you could get the calories out. And then in this dream scenario, you can get calories in calories out. The, but but it just breaks down on exactly the details. You can't really keep track of calories in. And your body's doing all this cool metabolic adjustment stuff underneath the surface, which is so neat. And actually, you know, the reason that exercise is so good for you is partly this adjustment that make calories out really hard to keep track of. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I w- I, what do you think? I mean, my, my take on it is this is why people get so frustrated about calories in, calories out. It isn't that it doesn't work in a kind of physics-based way. It is you know, every calorie of fat that you carry around is a calorie of food that you ate. It has to be. But I think people get frustrated because it's so hard to keep track. It just feels useless. Yeah, it's onerous. And, and therefore, in comes technology with every app yeah. known to mankind, you know, to count things and, and make you even more obsessed about this craziness right, um, right. as it is. One of the most profound things you did, um, Herman, um, which I just absolutely love, is that you made life a lot simpler. And and here's the way it <laughs> works, boys and girls out there, okay? You cannot outrun your fork. You just can't. And, and I think that for a long time, people wanted to have an easy fix. You know, oh, look at my belly. It now resides in a different county. That's a bad thing. So let's, why don't we do something about this? Oh, okay, well, I'll sign up for a 5K. Uh, mm, okay, so the way it should look, and, and I want your comment about this, is I now, you know, this is becoming so much clearer that nutrition and physical activity have extraordinarily powerful roles um, in promoting our health and well-being, no question. But uh, nutrition and physical activity have their own silos. 
Okay, so nutrition is going to give you nutrients. It's going to give you energy in the form of calories. It's going to give you that fuel. One would hope you, you're getting it um, from whole foods um, and not processed crap, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that we're hoping that you're taking in uh, an appropriate amount, not a Mount Saint pasta, but, you know, an appropriate amount of food. And, and that's all good. And that will contribute to the amount of fat that you have on your body for the purpose of everything from, you know, fuel to cushioning, because quite frankly, the intra-abdominal fat is very good for that, um, up to a point. If it becomes excessive, obviously you have the metabolic syndrome. If you look at physical activity, it's got a whole host of benefits. Phenomenal. Neurogenesis, for crying out loud. Let's grow a better brain. I mean, I could go right down the list. Really wonderful stuff. The sleep is optimized with this. Cardiovascular help is optimized with this. Now, I will tell you, if I have two men, your, let's just say, your height and your weight, exactly, you know, the same age, same height, and same weight. One guy is, is fit. He's, 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 you know, doing something every day, you know, like taking, you know, I always say, walk your dog, even if you don't have one, just get on out there. Um, do your thing to your point about no one going outdoors anymore. Um, and you know, obviously maybe doing other things, cross training and stuff just for health and well being. Now you look at him and you look at the guy who's sedentary, they're both the same weight and height and age. But what you're going to see is different body composition. And so you're going to see the guy who's sedentary is much fatter. Okay. And he has a higher level of body fat. The other guy, if he's been keeping up with strength training and this and that, he'll, he'll have a better lean body mass, but also he goes through shape shifting. So he looks better. He's actually probably a size lower. He's got, you know, one less, one of those little ratchets on the, on the belt. Um, because you do go through shape shifting when you're more fit. And so this is the, the, you know, physical activity can do all of that. And it'll also make you physically fit. So you can save your own life. If you had to run for your life, if you had to pick yourself up off the ground, you know, um, very quickly and save your life and, you know, save someone else's life and all that stuff. But the problem has been is that I think because of media, misinformation, whatever, physical activity was, was seen over time as a solution to excess body fat. And, and that's the problem. What do you think of this? No, I think that's exactly it. You know, um, it, we can go into all the reasons that people want to sell exercise as a way to, to, to get rid of body fat. You know, part of it is it makes sense that it would work that way. So I think that people's intuitions say it, it'll work. And so, you know, I don't know that there's always uh, malicious intent on people selling exercise ex programs to lose weight. But we've known for years, decades, before my research, in fact, that it's really hard, as you say, to outrun your fork. Uh, it just doesn't work very well. And, you know, but, okay, it's a lot easier to sell an exercise program um, and in a new pair of shoes and, and you know, uh, clothes and all the stuff that goes with it. Uh, and to not have to tell people to stop buying particular kinds of foods, I, I think that that's actually the big reason it's so hard to get things changed. I mean, the, if you look at, you know, 
watch a football game, you know, and the in the middle of the game, you know, you'll see advertisements for sugary beverages. And right alongside that, there's a NFL telling kids to go out and exercise 60 minutes a day. And so the messaging, the messaging is very kind of mixed there because, yes, you can eat these processed foods, high sugar, high energy dense foods, as long as you're going out and exercising, it's going to be OK. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I don't know that it's intentionally done that way, but I think that the mixed message does make it harder for people to take away what you're saying, which is, yeah, if you want to exercise, you should. That's great. Exercise is really important, but you got to look at your, your nutrition. You got to look at your diet if you're going to try to control your weight. So my last book um, was about the new science of um, addictive eating behavior. This is based upon the work that has been done by researchers at Yale and University of Michigan. Really neat stuff. And really at the end of the day, one of the things that makes this um, less compelling Herman, <laughs> is the fact that the food industry is not stupid. They figured out a long time ago uh, something called the bliss point. This is why that wonderful um, book was written by Moss, um, you know, the fat, sugar, salt. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you have people, for all intent and purposes, pretty habituated with this stuff. And, uh, you know, you just learn to kind of, you know, live that way. And, and, you know, to be perfectly blunt with you, it's a bummer to withdraw from it. It is. You take someone who's been doing the, you know, slapping down, you know, the Frappuccinos, which you don't want to know how much sugar and crap goes into those things, um, you know, and then you say, no, you got to, you know, let's let's flip over to uh, green tea. That, uh, mm, you know, it, it, it's a rough one. It's almost like you have to do rehab and you do. And that, that was my argument. You literally have to go into a bit of a little rehab off this stuff because you can't. Right down the street, I'm in Bethesda. So uh, right down the street, I, I trained at NIH and I was in, uh, I work primarily with stress hormone and belly fat. And one of my neighbors is the head of the National Institute of Drug Abuse. That's uh, Nora Volkall. And, and, she, and she's a chocoholic. That's why she loves all this stuff. And um, she, she said... I, right now, hands down, um, this addictive uh, type of food, as it were, um, triggering um, the the reward center in the brain, as it does, and she has shown this with e extraordinary PET scanning of the nucleus accumbens, um, you know, it says, this has got to be taken seriously. If you think someone could just get off like a, um, you know, a 12-pack of Coke a day, and just uh, say, hey, you know, no problem. You better think again, because that's not happening. Um, that's a very hard thing to do. So, you know, your book comes along and it says, y'all better do it if you think you're going to, you know, get anywhere with, you know, dropping a few here. Um, and I, I really think that this is a very, very powerful message. And it's got to be heard from on high. And even if you don't want to hear it, well, you're going to have to hear it. And, you know, we could make it easier. Come on now. We have all these wonderful resources out there, Blue Apron, the rest of them, that'll, that'll give you much better food. Let's switch it out. 
just switch out the damn stuff. And, and there's so many other ways to be able to do this. So it's not like I'm asking you to go from, you know, those 12 Cokes a day to zero. Uh, there are other ways to do this. You, um, you know, there, there are ways to almost, you know, um, wean yourself. You could wean yourself um, with extra, you know, better and better and better food. You don't have to do anything draconian, but I still think your message is so powerful. You know, when I read Gretchen's blog, and <laughs> there you have with the, I'm going to say it wrong, the Shuar. The Shuar. Yeah, the Shuar kids. Yeah, the Shuar. So the Shuar kids are rocking it out there. They're lean, mean fighting machines and they're rocking and rolling and they're eating pretty much whole foods um, and they live in a pretty much rural kind of situation. Then you've got these other kids, I forgot their name, um, you know, in the other, I don't know, like village or something. And and No, but they're all... Tell us. But the the cool thing... Well, the cool thing about it is, right, so... So, okay, so I do a study like the Hadza study, and I say, look, these Hadza hunter-gatherers, they're, act- they're more active, they're burning the same number of calories. This is what we need to take home from that in terms of diet and exercise. And people say, well, that's great, but you're comparing Hadza hunter-gatherers to folks who, you know, in the U.S., it's totally different context. How do you compare? And so Sam Murlocker, who was a postdoc in my lab at the time, led this study with Shuar kids, and he said, no, look, we're going to do this uh, exactly the way that everybody complains, you know, we're going to do this just how they're asking us to do it, which is we're going to look at the really rural kids, really remote kids living in the rainforest in, you know, in, in Amazonian Ecuador. And then because the Shuar population is starting to urbanize on the periphery, right? There are, there are villages that are almost like little cities now or are on the edges of bigger cities. And we're going to look at those kids. And so we're going to have the same population, right? Same, same gene pool, same culture, right? All, same uh, ecology, all of it. The only difference is the kids that are on the edge of these cities, right, they have access to market foods. They have access. They can get soda pop a little bit anyhow, and they can get, you know, greasy food and everything else. Let's see what happens. And sure enough, the coolest thing was that, okay, energy expenditures still don't change, right? Because energy expenditure, your body burns the same number of calories kind of no matter your lifestyle. But these kids are still gaining weight and gaining fat in these urban populations, why? Their diets change. So it's not an activity change, right? The, the activity change isn't, isn't what's driving this. The energy expenditure change isn't what's driving this. It's really driven largely by diet. It would, so it was such a nice, clear study that Sam did there. I loved that study. It was fun, so fun to see Gretchen write that up. All right, so did you see the same thing in the apes? Uh, so that's a really fun one. So apes in... Um, we, yeah, we've done, I think, the first measurements of energy expenditures in apes as well. Uh, we've done it in, in zoos across the U.S. And uh, chimpanzees, for example, our closest relatives, along with bonobos, chimpanzees and bonobos both, they carry about less than 10% body fat in a zoo. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you're talking wow. like Olympic-level body fats. Humans, right, we have a huge amount of body fat, you know, it, even in a place like even in a Hadza hunter-gatherer camp like I work in, men and women have carry more body fat than that. Men are, men are in their teens of body fat percentages. Women are in the you know, 20, above, above 20% body fat. So uh, it, it, there is a big genetic component here and a big evolved component, right? I mean, you can ask the question, gosh, isn't it interesting that humans are evolved to put on fat to an extent that even an ape in a zoo 
sitting on its ape butt and eating, you know, veggies from uh, <laughs> veggies and and, uh, and whatever else they're eating there. Uh, yeah, they don't put on fat. Isn't that so cool? Even though they're, they're they're also really lazy. But that's the thing. They're evolved to be lazy, right? They're evolved to be lazy. They're evolved to sit around. So they don't end up with cardiometabolic disease. They're able to stay super lean um, without, you know, keeping that keeping that ape lifestyle. If we were to do that, of course, we'd get really sick. Wow. I mean, it's just, ugh. Um, so, yeah. you know, we, we now live in an environment um, which, uh, you know, really is working against us in more ways than we'll ever be able to know. And the more this really settles in your brain, um, you know, you get a little panicky. It's like, wait a minute. The food's, you know, uh, not the world's greatest. Mm -hmm. our, our lifestyles are so crazy that they don't really, they're not conducive to staying physically active. Notice I don't even say the exercise word. I just say physically active for crying out loud. Um, and, uh, and so... Good Lord, is there any hope here? Now, come on now, help us. Is there any hope? Well, so, yeah, you know, I, there's hope. Of course there's hope. Uh, the, what I think we can do, first of all, is, you know, I, I think you said it. Think about physical activity. Don't worry about exercise. Are you moving every day, right? Because a Hadza man or a Hadza woman, they don't exercise. They don't go hit a treadmill, right? They're just active all day. So kind of rethinking about, you know, rethinking our relationship to physical activity. Can you just weave it into your day? Can you walk your dog even if you don't have one? I think that's wonderful. Uh, just, get, just get moving, first of all. And second of all, when it comes to nutrition, right, can we all just sort of agree <laughs> on some really well-demonstrated principles out there? Ultra-processed foods drive us to overconsume for all the reasons you mentioned, the way it affects our brains. Um, basically all of the genes that have been shown to be to affect bmi and there's hundreds of them are they're basically all active in the brain because it's all about brain regulation of energy in and energy you know to, and and your how full you feel on the on the foods you're eating how much are you rewarded for these for the foods you eat and so you know the principles here for diet are stay away from those ultra processed foods and try to pick foods that make you feel full without overeating. And we actually know what those foods are probably going to look like. They're probably going to be foods that have a higher protein content or have a higher fiber content, right? And so we don't have to, there, there's a million ways to meet that, those principles. And some are going to work differently for different people. So some people might find that, oh, if I have this, you know, high meat, low carb, keto diet, that works great for me. It's going to work for a lot of people. That's great. Give it a try if, if that's something you want to try. Vegan diets will work for other people. High fiber, right? You can fill up uh, with a lot of, of fiber and, and not as many calories and, and get your nutrients that way. And some people are going to do well on balanced kind of Mediterranean diets. The diet wars where we stand in our own little camps and shatter each other and, and try to argue that humans can only eat one kind of thing are just so unhelpful. So, you know, that's, uh, that, that's my hopeful idea is that we can get past the diet wars and the shouting and we can just take a step back and say, okay, well, how does metabolism work, right? Let's, let, let's start there. How does diet and exercise actually affect how our bodies go? And, and then take those principles and, and apply them rather than getting kind of tribal on this stuff. Okay, and by the way, everyone out there in the Herb Podcast land, um, uh, Dr. Ponser has an absolutely 
fabulous uh, chapter on metabolism and the macronutrients, and it's really easy to read, um, and it'll help give you some perspective. As we draw this to a close, what I love to ask my guests is, okay, you fancy smancy, you know, researcher you, um, <laughs> how, how have you applied it to your own life? Well, you know, it has given me a huge per different perspective on, on my weight and my health. I am... I'm lucky. I have been able to keep pretty much the same weight since college without working too hard. And I used to think that that's because, you know, I've got superior willpower, <laughs> something like that, you know? And now I know, no, it's, it's, I, I was lucky. I was dealt a pretty lucky hand. My relationship to food, the way my brain lights up to different foods, just doesn't drive me to overconsume. So it's really changed the way I think about my own weight that way. And in terms of, you know, what do I eat and how do I, I get outside I try to be active every day, and I avoid processed foods. And I really, I'm not more strict about any of it than that, right? I kind of let myself off the hook and just say, well, let's let's try to hit these principles. And if we're doing that, then let's not worry about, you know, am I eating this particular kind of food or that particular doing that particular kind of exercise? For me, that's not helpful. For me, it's more helpful to kind of think about the principles try to live those principles. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and you know, the, you're, you're my kind of guy, uh, because it's exactly the way <laughs> I do my thing. I just say, look, you know, I'm listening to my body. Does my body want some of those nice green things and some really cool, you know, uh, brown rice and some, you know, uh, salmon and this and that, or does it want this little science fair project over here? Um, and it's, it's interesting. The more physically active you are, the better sleep you get. Um, um, the more you are sort of more mind-body uh, centric, you know, um, the less you want that stuff because it makes no sense to you and it doesn't taste right. It tastes chemically. It doesn't, there, there's something horribly wrong with all of that. Um, and I think if people become more mindful, I love that whole mindfulness. There's some great epigenetic science behind uh, mindfulness, by the way, some great studies out there. You know, I, I, I just kind of go with that. Do I count anything? Hell no. Um, do my job you know my job as a pro professionally is to count calories <laughs> and but I don't do it in my own life because I, I know that it's futile it's better just to pay attention to how you feel Exactly. And then, you know, am I obsessing as I'm running with my my beloved German shepherds? No, I'm like, I'm running. I'm having a good time. I'm outdoors. I'm inhaling, you know, fresh air and, and all of this stuff. Uh, get out of this craziness we've gotten ourselves into. Um, just, it's so simple. That's why I always go back to uh, Michael Pollan's beautiful, you know, rules of life. You know, it's like, you know, eat green things, eat a whole lot of green things. You know, and and just I love it. And so your message here is just beautiful. I'm going to be singing your praises to everyone, Herman, um, because this book really sets the record straight. Your research, I think, is finally, you know, I hit an inflection point. And I think now we're all going to have to just sit down and absorb what you've said and really put it to work. And it's really on all of us who do work within the field of nutrition and metabolism and the rest of it. 
teach it and write about it, that we're going to have to carry this message um, forward. So I want to just thank you for all the years of research and your own um, focus on this kind of theme and the fact that you were able to put together a consumer book that people can really sit down and absorb and, and hopefully practically apply in their own life. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for uh, the conversation. It's really fun to talk about all this work. And, uh, you know, this work that I did, I wrote this book for two reasons. One is I want people to know about metabolism. The other thing is, it was so fun to do all this work. And the adventures that, of, of doing good science is just, you know, something I wanted to share. So I hope people take away uh, that, you know, that, that joy that I had doing the work. I hope that comes through in the writing. Well, no, it definitely does. The stories alone, I just, I, I felt like I was right there. And <laughs> that, well, when you start the whole book with the sound of the lions, I'm like, okay, we're, we're off and running now. And, you know, is he going to be eaten alive or what's going on? And then there you are yeah. going, wait a minute, man. We're, you know, I'm sitting here with the Hazda. I mean, you know, come on now. They'll take care of things. Um, and, and then you went right back to sleep again. I thought, now that's a cool way to start the book. I kind of like that. <laughs> So you talk about eating calories. They were going to be your calories um, uh, one way or the other. Okay, everyone out there on the Herb Podcast land, we've been speaking with Dr. Herman Ponser from Duke University. He's written a book that is just lovely, 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 and you're going to love it. It's called Burn. New research blows the lid off how we really burn calories, lose weight, and stay healthy. Yes, Go out and get it. If you don't, you're a total loser. Okay, so everyone out there, take a moment, hit iTunes, and rate and review this show because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pamela Peak, host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Thanks for listening today. Now listen, stay safe and stay well.